Hello, and thank you for listening to Author Chats, a Quarto Group podcast featuring conversations with authors, editors, illustrators, and more. I'm your host, Mel Shewitt, and we have another special podcast panel today, this time with three authors talking about armchair travel. Joining me today are Kate Sieber, author of National Parks of the USA and the forthcoming 50 Adventures in the 50 States, Gabriel Balkin, author of the 50 State Series, and Megan C. Hayes, author of The Happiness Passport, A World Tour of Joyful Living in 50 Words, and The Serenity Passport, A World Tour of Peaceful Living in 30 Words. We're going to dive right in since we have so much information, so let's go ahead and get started. First of all, thank you so much to all three of you for finding time to talk to me today. I am so excited to get your thoughts on how we can all make the most out of this summer since we are all pretty much grounded and staying at home. I would love to start by going around and having each of you introduce yourself and your book to our readers. Think of it as sort of like a one-minute elevator pitch. Tell us who you are, what you're about, and we're going to start with Kate. Hi, Mel. Hi, everyone. So I'm Kate Sieber, and I wrote National Parks of the USA in 2018 and I have a new book coming out 50 adventures in the 50 states in October and then we're going to go ahead and move over to Gabe what can you tell us about the 50 states series hi everyone it's so nice to be here um I was so happy to work on the 50 states series there's four books in the series that I did and then the editors at Quarto put together a couple of other formats just for those people who can't get enough state facts and those are really cool Um, And the idea was to get kids interested in a place that had some similarities to their own home and a lot of differences and get them to kind of imagine their surroundings with a new investigative eye. Um, And it gave me a good chance to explore different places without actually having to live there, which I liked. I actually have some follow-up questions about that later, but we're going to go ahead and go move to Megan. Can you tell us a little bit about the Passport book, Serenity and Happiness? Hi, everybody. Thanks for uh, having me. The Happiness Passport is an adventure around the world in 50 words and concepts that explore what happiness and well-being means. And then the Serenity Passport was um, a follow-up to that, which is an exploration in 30 words and concepts from around the world that is to do with calm, peaceful living. So they were very enjoyable to write. (laughs) And honestly, very needed right now. (laughs) So now that we've sort of briefly met all of you, I would love to talk about your research processes because I'm sure that they vary across the board for all three of you. And let's start with Kate. So where do you and how do you start your research? Well, speaking about 50 adventures in the 50 states, um, I spoke with all sorts of people. I talked to state park managers and to travelers and to people who run outfitters, like for example, an ice climbing outfit in Southwest Colorado. And so it's a whole host of different people who I talk to. And it's really fun to just talk about what 
kids like most about their areas. And for my first book, National Parks of the USA, I spoke to a ton of national park rangers and a lot who run field trips for kiddos. And it was just super fun because like, what is just more delightful than talking about what kids find exciting about a national park? And usually it's like, cool, quirky stuff like catching salamanders or, you know, like overturning rocks and streams and whatever it is. So I hope I'm answering your questions. <laughs> and actually, I just wanted to quickly add that even before I started working at Quarto, yours, I think, was the first Quarto book I ever purchased. I, I love national parks, but I think everyone loves, loves that book too. So I'm definitely not by myself in that. Cool. Gabriel, how do you usually start your research? The thing I love so much about these books is I get a chance to find out new things about people in my circle. So I always start off by asking my friends and family and random people what they like about their hometown or someplace they've visited. And usually it's something quirky and unexpected where people have these unique connections to a place. And then that leads me down sort of this wormhole of research Um, where I'll look for more information about, say, a cool museum in Philadelphia, and then that will lead me to an artist that displayed something there, and that will lead me someplace else. So the idea is to spend a short amount of time on each info grab, but I usually spend far too much time on it. But it gives me lots of ideas for maybe other books that I might want to do down the road. But it's a lot of... um, hive mind research that gets me started and then visiting sort of the state's own institutions kind of cultural institutions and see what they love about it and I like to try to have a mix of things that you've never heard of before that you would totally be surprised to find out and then anchor each state or city in a few things that are expected and well known and beloved about a place so there's a mix for both types of things to be interested in. I like that, that you're anchoring it in something that they can sort of grab onto and then they can sort of research those other details. Megan, what about you? Can you tell us a little about you about your research process for your books? Yeah, they, they were both quite research intensive books because they cover lots of languages and cultures, which are of course not my own. Um, so also a lot of sort of sensitivity involved in the project and a lot of responsibility I felt to um, portray them as accurately as I could. Uh, but I was lucky actually um, to study some years ago at the University of East London with a researcher called uh, Tim Lomas there. And he started a massive um, research project um, called the Happy Words Project, I think it's called. So he's been researching in this area for um, many years. Uh, already kind of gathering up a kind of lexicography of well-being around the world. Um, So that was a really good starting point. And then I also wanted to um, sort of personalize, um, of course, the the projects. And I'm lucky enough to have uh, many friends that live around the world. Um, So so one of um, my friends is from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, so I went to visit her a few years back and I uh, learned the word liming, which just means uh, chilling, chilling out, but with other people. So you couldn't, you couldn't lime by yourself. It's like chilling, but with others. So it's sort of having a beer with your friends. Oh, I'm just liming with my friends. So that was a nice um, word that just came from, you know, my own friends and my own travels. I like that. Given that we are all sort of 
contained at home these days. I would love for you guys to sort of speak to how families can use your books together as they're spending time at home. And we're going to go in the opposite direction this time. And we'll start with Megan. I didn't kind of envisage either book as a book for children, um, but but they turned out to be lovely kind of examples of family reading, I think, because I think there's something in there for all ages. They're beautifully illustrated, both of the books. Um, so that's a lovely start. And they're also um, kind of categorized into different groups. So um, each of them, so the Happiness Passport, for example, there's a whole section on food and well-being. So there's a lovely kind of sense of gathering together around the table in that one in different cultures. There's also a section about community. Um, so there's a lovely sort of, I guess, a moral aspect to some of the stories and kind of backgrounds to each of the concepts. And most of them are just on one short page. So they're lovely books to kind of dip in and out of kind of like a, a sort of compendium. So in, in a sense, of, of a family reading them together it might be that they could just dip in and out of some particular concept that might be particularly relevant for example staying calm being mindful in this um, time when we're all sort of stuck at home so yeah they're they're sort of lovely in, in those different ways I think for families. I am personally working on practicing mindfulness so these books are just incredibly relevant for me. Gabe how, uh, how do you sort of envision families using your books? When I created these books, I had the educators market really strongly in my mind and how teachers might use these with their classrooms. And I think a lot of that translates to doing things at home with your own family too. Um, one project that I've been involved with the last few years is with a math library in Portland, Maine, and they host a contest for all fifth graders in Maine every year. And uh, fifth graders submit their either an original map of an invented place or a map of some place that they know and love. And that's something that could be done at home very easily, where you could either create a group map of some place you've been or some place very bizarre. Um, the neat thing about working with kids is they just have their imagination has no limits. And there was one fifth grader in Maine who submitted a map of Cat, of Cat Island. And she had sewn the map with needle and thread. And it was very small, but it was so beautiful. And you can really stretch yourself using unexpected materials um, to create your own map. And then uh, in the activity book that goes along with these atlases, there are a bunch of ideas of things to do at home. And one of them is to be the governor of your own state, where you can create your own laws, create your own weather, and kind of invent people that are well-known heroes from that place, um, or even your own animals. And so I think that's a fun thing to do. And you can either have it be totally unrealistic where you have beavers living in a snowy location, or you could have it firmly rooted in reality. Um, so the landscape goes along with the types of animals that are there. Sounds like so much fun. I would definitely have lots of beavers living in the snow. Um, Kate, can you talk a little bit about how you envision kids and families using your books right now? Well, one thing that delighted me to hear was a friend told me that with her kiddo, they read one park every year from the, or what, not every year, every evening um, as the 
um, getting through the national parks books, which is just fun and that they would kind of like look forward to exploring like one park really thoroughly and being with that um, page, um, which is fun. And I know um, this book really lends itself to armchair travel. A lot of people use it as a way to get excited about road trips that they've been planning. And um, so that's kind of fun to see, okay, like what park would we actually want to visit? Like what's your favorite one? What's the, you know, like route we might take in between these parks? Um, then I think that a lot of people use it as a reference book. And a lot of people I've heard use it for homeschool curriculums. And so just particularly relevant right now, even for folks who <laughs> may not be fully intending to homeschool their children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's a lot of jumping off points. And I think that's true for probably all of our books. They're really packed with facts. And so it's like, oh, I'm really excited about like, this tree snail that like moves around on a, on a trail of its own slime. Like, let's look that up and like learn more about the tree snail or like, let's learn more about the thermophiles, like bacteria that live in the hot springs in Yellowstone or, you know, that kind of thing. I think uh, a lot of these fact oriented books can pique uh, kids' curiosities in really kind of wacky and specific and fun ways. The other thing I thought I would mention is I think both, um, Gabe and my books, and I don't know about yours, um, we have, there are activity books that come, um, that are also available as part of this series, and those are just super fun. I would have loved that as a kid, just the word searches, and the matching this and that, and the, like, we have a Mad Lib in mind, and random stuff like that, that's just kind of, um, fun and cool. And it's nice that it also, I mean, across all of your books, these are all things that bring families together. I mean, we're all spending so much time together right now. It's nice to have these books and these sort of ways of traveling, this armchair travel, even though we are sort of stuck at home and grounded, like I said. Um, I have a slightly more hard-hitting question, and we're going to start with Kate on this one. How do you feel like readers can uh, learn to appreciate the values of other cultures around the world using your book or other cultures around the country even and bring those aspects into their own lives? My um, books are U.S.-based, so I don't know if they're relevant to learning about other cultures around the world necessarily, but one of the things that we made a really very specific intention around for the 50 Adventures in the 50 States book was just making sure that people knew uh, the land on which these adventures take place, who it originally belonged to, and who were the original inhabitants. So we have a lot of facts around the cultures and what they, you know, how they might have used the land. Like, for example, there is a, in Oklahoma, we talk about digging for crystals, which you can do at these like vast salt, flat, salt flats in Oklahoma. And um, the original inhabitants of the land, the Native Americans, um, used that area to collect salt. And it was kind of a ceremonial place. So, so things like that. Other areas like the Buffalo River in Arkansas that was used by the Osage as a uh, hunting ground. And so we made um, efforts to do that. And the National Parks book, we have um, some of that too, like especially with the ways that people have um, used the landscape or traveled through the landscape. And so um, I think that these books can be really nice ways of having a deeper understanding of um, ancestry and of 
our relationship to land that goes back many generations and even thousands of years in this country. And just having um, that consciousness seep into um, our culture in a way that's pretty accessible and that's pretty fun, really, you know? Is there anything you'd like to add, Gabrielle? Because your books also focus on the 50 states, as the series is called. That was really important to me, making sure we included people who hadn't been included as often in the history of the United States. Um, and as Kate said, she talked to so many people in person or over the phone when she was doing this. And that was really necessary for me too, to kind of get a local's perspective. And some times that was through a local librarian who kind of reviewed the past of the page to tell me, you might want to add this, or you have a lot of one subject, what about more? Um, so with the city Detroit, for instance, I think of that as being such an American city with like the types of cars that are built there and Motown. But I found out from a friend of mine from high school that there's a huge um, Arab American population with like tons of bakeries and restaurants and so that was fun to include in the book with sort of a little eye-catching image of pistachios, which people might not associate with a certain type of food. And so maybe a reader who's not going into this book to kind of broaden their cultural understanding might see like, oh, a pistachio, I eat those with my grandpa, and then find out that there's a huge Arab-American population in the city um, and learn about things that way. And part of the way I organized my own workload um, with this book was to have a huge spreadsheet and spreadsheets are sort of my calm place. They help me feel like I know what's going on if I can put it in a spreadsheet. So I would kind of keep track of everything I was including because left to my own devices, there would be a lot of like Michelle Obama's dresses in this book. I could like find a way to squeeze those into every place. But this helped me say like, okay, you've got enough fashion going on in New York City. Make sure you're choosing something that relates to like the sciences. Um, and that was a way for me to kind of comb through my first draft and see what elements I was missing. Um, it was also really important for me to include uh, you know, Native Americans, not just associated with some things that we've kind of grown to associate them with. And so there's like a huge skateboarding uh, subculture um, on reservations. And I wanted to include that. And there's um, a chemist who works for Maybelline, who's Native American. And so I wanted to include that in there. And it was a bit of a puzzle to find some of these things but it was so satisfying once it kind of came together. And then it really is like a puzzle of all types of different people and cultures coming in to kind of create the... Melting culture. pot? The melting pot, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, with a slightly more global uh, view of things, Megan, how do you... I mean, you've already talked about Trinidad and Tobago and liming. So it sounds like you've made a pretty strong effort with your books to be very inclusive of different cultures and to give people glimpses into those cultures. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're, they're truly international books. Happiness Passport has already been translated into German, French, Spanish, and recently Finnish, I found out. Um, there may even be other languages on the way. Um, so it was important for me to not kind of look out at the world from my perspective as a British person, but also to include um, 
elements of British culture and the English language. So there are English words um, in both books, such as whimsy, which apparently is a bit of an untranslatable word that doesn't exist in other cultures that has a sort of curious, um, you know, whimsical thing. <laughs> it can mean many things whimsical, can't it? Um, also serendipity is apparently uh, an English word that doesn't translate into other cultures. Um, but I think what kind of is most interesting to me about the project of the two different books is that it's at once about respecting cultural difference in the sense of, oh, this means something very specific about that place or that environment or that culture within which um, that word exists. But at the same time, there's I've experienced putting the books together. There's a real sense of the things that kind of unite us across cultures, such as food <laughs> we all love to eat um, or music that's just so inherent to being a human being on the planet so it was this kind of delicate and, and lovely dance between the things that make all the world's cultures completely unique and special and at the same time the kind of uh, shared values that we have as human beings on planet earth so that was um, a nice thing about the project I have one final question for you guys. I would love to know where you are all armchair traveling to these days. What are you reading right now? And we can start with Kate on that one. <laughs> like, man, I need some time. Where am I traveling? To? <laughs> uh, right now, I'm reading Deep Creek, which is a memoir of. Um, it's actually Pam Houston, who has just amazing. Um, this is actually not a children's book, so I don't know if it counts for your purposes. <laughs> you can edit it out. <laughs> but she is a wonderful writer with just a hilarious, irreverent voice. And she talks about her experience running a ranch at 9,000 feet in the Colorado mountains, which is not really very far from me. So I live in Durango, Colorado, but it's a different lifestyle. And it's really funny um, hearing her experiences with her mini donkeys and her, what she calls her equine senior citizens. And um, yeah, it's just really fun. So yeah, that's what comes to mind immediately. I'm like, I know I've actually been reading a lot, but you know, when you have a pop quiz like this, you're like, what have I been reading? I can't even remember. Favorite book of all time. And you're like, oh God, I don't know. I don't, do I have a favorite book? I've read so many books. <laughs> Gabe, where are you traveling right now? I'm traveling to ancient Greece because I've been reading Circe and The Song of Ulysses by Madeline Miller. And it's just so great. And it coincided with my kids' interest in the Greek myths also. They listened to a Greek myth podcast in their classroom over lunch, which I thought was so great of their teachers. Oh, cool. Um, and we've been reading the Dolores book of Greek myths, which has beautiful illustrations. Um, and it's really sparked my interest in wanting to write my own Greek mythology book because some of these books are so confusing for kids. Um, there's just so many, it's such a soap opera of characters. And then my kids just finished reading the book, The Front Desk, which is about a Chinese American immigrant who manages the front desk of a motel. And I'm trying to remember where the motel is. Oh, so maybe it's in Southern California where the author grew up. But I think next I'm going to read Deep Creek. You can also travel to the Colorado mountains. <laughs> and the little mini donkeys, which sounds so cute. How about you, Megan? Where are you traveling these days? Uh, well, my 
first thought was um, I'm not traveling very far at all because I've been reading quite a lot of Irish literature. So <laughs> my, my close neighbor, um, I read Milkman, which um, won the Booker Prize by Anna Burns a, a couple of years back. Um, and I've just started only, you know, a couple of pages in um, a memoir, Constellations, by an Irish author called Sinead Gleason, um, which I've heard wonderful things about. But then I also thought, uh, I think like a lot of us, I have been sort of motivated by the Black Lives Matter movement to uh, explore, you know, the different cultures that exist in my own country. <laughs> so I've been reading Black authors like Jackie Kay um, and uh, kind of trying to explore the ways in which my own culture, British culture, is actually incredibly diverse in ways that are perhaps not always reflected in the literary canon. So that's sort of one form of exploration I've been doing as well. Thank you so much to all three of you for stopping by and talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Mel. Thank you so much for listening to Author Chats. Most of these books, including National Parks of the USA, most of the 50 States books, and both the Happiness Passport and the Serenity Passport are available worldwide, with more books coming this fall. So please visit your favorite bookstore, library, or online retailer to find copies for you and your readers. Enjoyed what you heard? Tell your friends. Share our podcast far and wide with colleagues by suggesting they subscribe to Author Chats on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever they listen to podcasts. And we'd be so grateful if you left a review so others can enjoy the podcast too. Special thanks to Scott Holm for our theme music.